0: Next time, on Star Trek, The Next Generation. It's unjustified. It's unfair. He has rights. A Starfleet experiment threatens to dismantle Data for android research. And what's at stake? My very life. No, Captain Picard is Data's last hope for survival. What is he? A machine. And now a man will shut it off. Objection. On Star Trek, The Next Generation.
1: Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Karnick, and with me, strangely bumping into lawyer ex-girlfriends are...
2: Diana fail <laughs>
1: Max. Adam Bowen.
2: Emily Bowen-Marler. And Rudy Kuzbaker.
3: So if you are new around here, Strange New Takes is a sort of new, I guess now, uh, Star Trek-themed podcast. Eventually, sometime in the future, just in future, we will be covering Strange New Worlds. That's not coming out for a while, so we're doing other stuff instead, and right now we're in the middle, or toward the end, I guess, of a series on moral dilemmas, so uh, that's what we're doing right now.
4: Today we're super excited to bring you our strange new takes for the latest episode from The Next Generation, The Measure of a Man.
2: (laughs) And do follow us on social media, that's at the rate strange new takes on Facebook, Insta, and Twitter. Twitter um just as we like to get together here and and talk with each other that's why we have this we would love to uh, start conversations elsewhere as well um so looking forward to hearing from you guys
5: yeah and uh if you happen to pass people as you're walking around on the street uh go and tell them to listen to this podcast as well
2: preferably from a
3: uh, horse
1: i was like Ooh, shameless great. on a zoom call yesterday someone told me they're watching discovery and i was like hey do i have the podcast <laughs> can, for you can i give you
3: my mixtape uh it's, it's
1: really big. <laughs> and uh yeah this is the part where i beg you to give us a five-star rating on itunes because hey when if you, all those people that you're not bumping into on the streets they put it into a podcast search engine if they put in Star Trek, those iTunes ratings is what decides where our podcast shows up in the list. So if you give us a rating, it helps us out. So if you give us a five-star rating, I'll read whatever you write on this podcast. Uh, so thanks for your help with that.
6: And as always, this is the obligatory spoiler warning. <laughs> uh, we will be spoiling this episode if for some reason you haven't seen it. Uh, you know, honestly, though, if you're a Star Trek fan and you haven't seen this episode, what
1: are you doing? What are you, you
6: know, doing? What, what are you
3: doing? Stop doing what you're doing.
1: Do something else. Right. All right. Well, I was the one who put The Measure of a Man onto our list. And it's important to say that the title isn't Measure of a Man. It's THE Measure of a Man. Very significant difference there. It's the second, <laughs> it's the second season of TNG. It's the ninth episode, which originally aired on 13th February, 1989. What? And... Uh, It was written by Melinda M. Snodgrass and directed by Robert Shearer, and uh, it takes place in 2365, according to the in-universe date. Now, here's the episode summary from Memory Alpha. Picard must prove Data is legally a sentient being with rights and freedoms under Federation law when transfer orders demand Data's reassignment for study and disassembly. And I'll, I'll give just a little bit extra information on what happens in this episode. Essentially, Picard bumps into this ex-girlfriend who's now going to be leading the... Or at least Fling. Lead, Ex-Fling. Lead it, who's now going to be leading the JAG at the Starbase. And uh, they he finds out then that this creepy robot scientist guy who can't keep his eyes off Data as they're walking around the bridge (laughs) um, (laughs) wants wants to tear Data apart. And the JAG person tells Picard, okay, you're going to defend Data's rights to be a sentient being. Uh, She then tells Riker, you're going to prosecute and prove Data as a machine that this creepy scientist guy can do whatever he wants with uh, Riker makes a really compelling case. Picard then goes to Guinan for advice, gets that advice, uh, makes a compelling, uh, even more compelling case that Data is a sentient being. Episode ends with the really Data being a super nice guide about the creepy scientist guy and a Riker. So I hope that that helped a little bit more in the episode summary layout what happened in this episode. So now I will turn to you for your strange new takes. And I will go
2: first because I put my name up there first, Um, (laughs) if y'all noticed, Nice. Um, I have an interesting general take. I don't know if you guys discussed it. Cut me short if you did in the couple of podcasts I missed. Um, So that cute little rover that dropped down on Mars um, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Perseverance. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a lady who kind of shot to fame um, who was kind of on live TV counting down the, Mm -hmm. the drop. Her name's Swati Mohan. And you guys know I like uh, people of Indian origin in in space stuff, right? My Mm -hmm. fascination with good old Aditya Sahil. So yeah, she she was in the limelight. And guess what her motivation was to work in space and fun stuff like that.
3: Is it Star Trek? Because that's the best.
2: It
1: is the best yeah. and that is exactly what it was. I, I was going to yes. say it was to be like a culturally appropriate name for a <laughs> South Asian person involved in space. There you space. go. But, uh, <laughs> Tom
2: Jansen. Well, well the interesting yeah. part Notch is she was culturally dressed as well. That that was that was mm-hmm. part of the appeal yeah. as well. That was that mm-hmm. was so fascinating. Um so they, I, I think the core team had a virtual meet with uh, President Biden a couple of days ago um, and she called the Star Trek bid out to him and she said specifically um i'm gonna paraphrase here in addition to those fantastical scenes of space what really captured my attention was this really close-knit team which was working together manipulating this technological marvel with the sole purpose of exploring space and under understanding new things and seeking Aww. life so, mm. cool. so i'm so hoping that somebody's listening to this podcast in 20 30 years from now
1: you know who knows um, they say our podcast you know I listened to these mm-hmm. people talking <laughs> about Star Trek Right. Yeah, yeah. it inspired me not to, even watching Star Trek but hearing
2: people
6: talk I about mean, it the show was okay but this podcast oh, right, got it going
2: <laughs> yeah sorry that's an elaborate general take um, love for, it <laughs> for this episode um, I will just say that every time I go back and watch any old Star Trek episode um, I still marvel at um how far we've come in mm-hmm. defining what is appropriate what's not i remember when we um did city on the edge of forever it was so far behind um i have a new facet for appreciating all star trek episodes if they still come across as appropriate um considering mm-hmm. the developments we've had in the last you know 15 20 years that is mm-hmm. that is a new mm-hmm. measure of an episode if you will The measure, yeah okay.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Nice, uh, so well I can I can jump in here. Um, i I actually have a strange new take today. I what? think some days some days I'm kind of stretching for one, but um <laughs> I am looking forward to drinking my first glass of synthahol. Oh. and I wonder if any of you heard about this. This just kind of came across my radar uh, earlier this week that there is a, a British company that has developed um, an alcohol substitute that basically uh, targets some of the same receptors that alcohol does so it still gives you kind of that chilled out happy feeling but it will not give you a hangover and mm, uh, well, it is, I need this yeah <laughs> I think <laughs> we all need this so. the over 30 set needs yeah this right exactly now. exactly i <laughs> am
4: <laughs> um, the over 40 <laughs> set i definitely
6: I need it. <laughs> kind of sticking with me today i was going to so, say yeah. like
1: is this inspired
6: by like <laughs> how he feels
4: <laughs> how he feels right now <laughs>
6: so i i can't wait for this thing and it's it's super expensive right now it's like it's i think it's like 75 pounds for a a bottle or something like that but my hope is that someday you know this will be everywhere and when we finally you know um commission our first federation starship and we're out there exploring the galaxy i'm confident that this is what they're going to be serving um in 10 forward Mm -hmm. um for the episode you know i'll just say that Uh, Picard has girlfriends everywhere, (laughs) you know, like what is going on here? Like everywhere he goes, he has an ex-girlfriend and, um, I want to see that young Picard series someday, you know, I want to see this suave kind of swashbuckling guy uh mm-hmm. in the in the early days um, that'd be fun to watch but mm-hmm. but still played by Patrick Stewart <laughs> of course <laughs> yeah we de-aged. We're, 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 we're <laughs>
5: maybe
3: all Jackson stuff from exactly. like, captain
2: marvel <laughs> <laughs> maybe they could use that guy i forget his name who played um um professor Xavier in x-men first oh. class right yeah we James Mcavoy James Mcavoy young picard do it
5: do it oh, do
0: man. it
4: love us god mhm Oh okay well now i'm just thinking you. about I, i'm just thinking about um, <laughs> scottish men but anyway
0: <laughs> young Patrick Stewart. I, have a, I have a
4: whole list of scottish actors i like but anyway <laughs> yep. um uh so uh well no i'm going to go back to my original strange new take <laughs> rather than take us down like a glaswegian line here but um cuz that is the best accent but um i have made a discovery that when you get a quote For a pergola, and it's way more expensive than you were planning on, Mm -hmm. it's a good idea to go find an example of the pergola you got a quote on so that you can realize, oh, my God, that's going to look like crap in a few years. I am not paying that money for it. And then you are suddenly relieved of that big sticker shock, and you can go figure out something better to do in your backyard. So, yeah, that's my advice. Uh, If you're getting ready to do a big purchase like that, go find what you are purchasing set up somewhere else mm. so that you can then say oh no um and save yourself some money uh, my strange new take on the episode my side strange new take is picard likes redheads um mm-hmm. and my other so maybe i'd have a shot have in a the shot, future yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know i mean if i wasn't married happily married and all that but um but my other strange new take is um i i love the next generation this was the show that got me into Star Trek in the way that I am into Star Trek. But gosh, I'm certainly discovering that, like, some of these episodes that they they say this is the premise, then, like, they change the premise halfway through or... Mm Like in this case, so it's really so the trial supposed to be about whether or not data is sentient. So I don't know why they were arguing whether or not he was property. I have more to say on that later, but <laughs> I just thought that was interesting. Like, I'm like, why? Wait, wait, what? Anyway, <laughs> more to come later. I have to cough now.
6: <laughs> Important that we know. <laughs>
1: um, OK, so. You all know that occasionally I talk about my bookshelves and other things that are in my eyeline because I forget and then I come up with something absurd to say about things that George are in front of us. me. <laughs> right? Uh that's Right? Uh, that's not what I'm going to do today. I'm going to talk about how annoying it is that changing the pressure in your tires is so... Un- like, it's, it's difficult. You got to go find the right gas station and then you have to have quarters to put it into the machine. And then you need a tire gauge. Like, how is there not some sort of, like, home device that you can just, like, take one-handed, put onto the tire, like, plug in the, okay, appropriate tire for, like, a Toyota Camry from 98, and then, boom, it's just, like, zoop, it's done. Instead, I either have to give it for some expensive servicing, which is dumb, it's just tire pressure, I can do this, but it's enough of a pain that I wait a while to do it. Anyway, just just uh.
3: So, Natch, I just I don't I don't have any uncles, so I probably can't tell this. But I feel like you're talking. like you you purely occupy uncle corner every single time. Like, <laughs> every single time.
1: I, I stand I'm like, like...
3: On, what's the deal with tire pressure? What's the deal? With the yeah. black box on the
1: plane, <laughs> I, I, I do stand nowadays like an Indian uncle with my hands behind me and observing things wearing flip flops at <laughs> home. But anyway, uh, with this episode, man, Picard's a dick. Like, oh. holy crap! Like, in I thought when I was watching Picard, he was kind of a penis at times. But like, even in this episode, he's just kind of mean, like a whole lot. I mean, even when like Data comes and tells him like, "Here's how I'm feeling. This is complicated. Like, this is tough stuff." He's like, "Dismissed." It's like, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you made him feel bad,
2: I think, then. I know exactly what you're talking about. We'll get into yep. it later, maybe. But yeah. um... <laughs> That's the moral dilemma of this episode. Can you be a nice <laughs> captain? <laughs> <laughs> this is the same part where I feel that when you go back and watch these old episodes, like, things stand out to you. Like, well, um, I just feel we've come, I've come a long way in, mm-hmm. in 20 years.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go next, uh, and this is also because I put myself in on the second to last position. So (laughs) there we go. Uh, for, for me, uh, strangely, I, I, I have a prepared one, but it's also about chickens. So, uh, (laughs) my thing is that you should, you should go outside people to work. You should, if you have the opportunity work outside, the chickens love it. They have a great time just, like, digging all in whatever things. And you can keep an, a, an eye on Hawks and things like that and mm-hmm. make sure that your ladies are safe.
3: Aww. So
5: um, the other thing is, so for this episode, I just got real excited to watch a whole bunch of other Star Trek and uh, decided that, like, yes, I am going to, like, I, I have this overambitious plan. I'm going to wa- uh, watch Author, Author. And I'm going to watch Olive Picard, and I'll be able to do this all before next time. I, I didn't. <laughs> but I did watch author and author, author. And, uh, I think the premise for that episode was what if we did the measure of a man again, but worse. Uh, and yeah, so we've, we've been talking about episodes that, that age gracefully and, and, uh, and those that don't, Mm -hmm. that, that one doesn't, doesn't get off so well. So yeah, maybe we'll talk about that a different time.
3: (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, I'm gonna go last. And, uh, you know, in the long tradition of last, I will do the least because I do not have a real life strange new take. So I'm just gonna let that one be what it is. Um, except <laughs> if uh, I talk about like a strange new take that's from the episode, but is not like really the main strange new take. What, after we watch the episode today, we at one point Max turns to me and she goes, Oh, you know, Louvois' hair just looks like a, a ball around her head. I have curly hair. And so i was really, i like fascinated by like the structural engineering of like intense curly hairdos. And this is obviously late 90s. But, like, there was, some, there was some, like, witchcraft happening to keep her hair the way that it was. And I I don't understand it. I don't know if I want to understand it, but there's a lot there. So, uh, that's my last ditch effort of a strange new take. I sat here listening to all of yours, being like, cool, great. And did not making a plan for my own. So, that's what happened. Maybe, maybe um,
2: <laughs> science guy should uh, examine her hair as opposed to data's positronic brain filament. I mean, just saying. <laughs> but I mean, like,
3: so I, here's the thing. Like, I was originally going to be like, everyone else is going to take my strange new take. So, I'll just say, like, I want Picard to do all the exposition because he's like Patrick Stewart's so good about just doing like really basic exposition exposition really well. Um, but I've, I'm gonna say I'm fundamentally disagree with Notch and Emily that I think both of their I, I think both the things that they're pointing out were like worked perfectly within the episode because there are moral implications beyond what was originally anticipated from the the the, the dilemma itself. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk about it because now I have a lot of things to talk about. So yeah, that's me. Yeah.
1: Contention corner. It's on. It's on. Get ready. Let's, let's, let's jump into the in-depth episode <laughs> discussion. And uh, the way I want to structure it, I mean, this episode, it doesn't have, like, multiple, like, millions of layers, in my opinion. There's a very core question. at the. Co- we don't need to discuss whether Data can leave Starfleet. Like, that's, you know, that might have been the case in front of the JAG lady. But, like, right. we don't, we can just discuss, like, is Data <laughs> a box on wheels? Right. Or is data a sentient being that should be allowed to make decisions? And I am curious where each of you fall on this on this divide. And I don't want you to let your the the, the fact that data is not a box on wheels cloud your judgment. <laughs>
3: Don't let his, his humanoid well, nature.
1: <laughs> real, real quick,
6: uh Box on Wheels is a sick burn on Star Wars droids. I just mean,
3: sure. <laughs> 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 R2 G2. Listen, R2 d 2 is great too, so. I mean, I think for me, the reality is that this like for this episode to me feels like a classic moral dilemma where we kind of I feel like we kind of know the right answer morally even though, like, it's presented as, like, these two are, you know, equal, mm-hmm. opposite things, and, like, you're supposed to be able to wrestle with And, like, realistically, mm-hmm. meh. It's not a really strong argument, especially because we know data, mm-hmm. to be able to then say, like, yeah, these, these both of these people have absolute points, and it's totally right. What I think is more interesting about this, and I'm sorry, first, first person to talk, but I'm going to throw a wrench in it, so I apologize, Notch. But, like, what I think is more interesting about this episode is the, beyond the moral implications of, like, what is data's status is he a sentient being or not and i like how picard breaks those that the the um the definition of what Maddox says of sentient being is down to its like very basic definition like you, you need to have these three things to be sentient is like what happens if we say that he's not sentient right i think that's what Guinan introduces in in 10 forward saying like okay so the moral implication of whether or not he's sentient basically means, like, if he's not sentient, then he is property because he's a thing. and So who owns mm-hmm. this thing if we're still in the idea of, like, ownership? And what can you do with your property if you are owned? Right? And that's the whole point of, like, how we get to Picard in 2020, mm-hmm. 20, mm-hmm. 2019. Right? And I think that's cool that there are, like, multiple layers to this dilemma. But ultimately, I don't think there's... Any right, any like more right answer than data is definitely a sentient being <laughs> and <laughs> is treated as a sentient being and is respected as a sentient being so much so that in this episode, when Maddox calls data it all the time, it's really grating and disrespectful, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's how, that's where I come off on of that.
4: So I felt the argument that. You know when they were talking, trying to, to correlate data to this to the computer. Like, what if the computer wanted to be able to? You know, do you think the computer is sentient? Being, no. Like data and the computer are not the same thing. Right. Data says, I do not want to submit to your experiment. Mm-hmm. That in itself is a statement of sentience and self-awareness. Right. And, you know, so it just seems really obvious. And talking about the the property thing, the reason I bumped up against the property, mm-hmm. so they weren't even talking about property at first, right? They're just talking right. about whether he was mm-hmm. sentient. Mm-hmm. But then Maddox, when he feels like maybe he's not going to win that argument, mm-hmm. then he jumps to the property. Right. And I just want to say, is there a bill of sale? Did Starfleet purchase data from Dr. Soong? Dr. Soong, from the way we've experienced... Now, granted, this wouldn't have happened yet, I don't think, at this point in the series. But the way we've experienced Dr. Soong, he Mm -hmm. saw Data and Lore as his children. Like, he didn't see them as property. So I highly doubt he sold Data to Mm -hmm. Starfleet. And so it seems to me... Like, that's why I found the property um, argument... Now, the way Guinan brought in the property argument, I thought that was the best way to introduce mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, but the way they were introducing it before and then how uh, Philippa, uh, I forgot. Louvois. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. How she started saying, oh, well, because of the Cumberland Act or whatever mm-hmm. she said of the 21st the century. the early that, 21st century, she was right. like, this is out of date. <laughs> that states he's property. And I was just like, like, and I just, I felt like they were all just grasping for straws. And clearly all of them thought um that data actually didn't have the right to say no because Picard right. had to be convinced of it too. Right. Which is yeah. gross.
3: It's gross. That's true.
2: Yeah. Um sorry, go ahead. Go ahead.
5: Uh so I I I guess for me, um so uh, it's it's really easy for us, like having grown up watching data and like seeing all all these great like data episodes wherever data's badass. Of course mm-hmm. he's a person. <laughs> but uh I, I think that um Assuming that we're not like currently stuck at the level of robotics that we currently have, and mm-hmm. sort of assuming that it's going to continue to advance, I think that we will start having difficult uh, mm-hmm. conversations about this because, or, like, right now, I, I feel like most people are probably on the side of like, no, not none of them are sentient. Like, mm-hmm. they're they're just. Like maybe they can do like cool like flips or whatever like the Boston Dynamics videos, but like the uh, so creepy. I, I I think we're gonna get to a point where where it's a little bit unsure, but mm-hmm. but uh, but we're still gonna have most people thinking that they're not sentient, um, and mm-hmm. it, so I I I think that it's it's worth thinking about and something that that uh, I, I think was one of the most interesting points of view that I that I've heard from people is. Uh so I'm a gigantic nerd and I have I I uh, before COVID I ran a um a uh, a meetup group called Papers We Love. Uh it's just the St. Louis chapter, but it's basically a bunch of people talk about computer science papers and then just like discuss it for an hour. No! And it was it was great. But uh one of the things that, that came across is that uh someone that was presenting at one point, I I got the sense that she actually thinks that there's sort of a an intention behind mm-hmm. uh, the programs that are running in the computer. And, and so, like, was talking about uh, the, maybe even, like, the feelings of things like that. And I guess what what's interesting is, um, what if consciousness is an inherent property of matter? Like, mm-hmm. w- what if, so, like, it, it, I don't have to say that they have memory or anything like that, but what if there is something it's like to be a rock? Mm-hmm. And it, maybe it's not interesting, but like, maybe, but if consciousness is something that is sort of an inherent property of matter, then we do have to consider whether the AI in our computers, like, have feelings mm-hmm. and, th- and things like that, or maybe should have rights in some cases. And it's and like, that is a as a way of sort of building the like, well, what if, how do we tell if it's conscious or not, like, mm-hmm. maybe everything is conscious, and that, therefore we should be nicer to our stuff but right. i don't yeah. know that, that that's sort of where i where i land on on this moral issue
2: mm-hmm. it's interesting um as far as um tv shows and movies i've seen the the centralized ai usually tends up being the big bad ai whether it's um you know wilson's ai robot or uh, the recent Control. you know yeah well, there you go yeah. that one um, uh, maybe a little bit of a westworld spoiler there as well but um but taking it a, a level up I think there's two ways to look at this one is uh, from a writing standpoint I think this is what somewhere in in season two right and I think the the, the they're still the writers are still discovering the the fitting of data and, and not so much as humanity but you know his reactions his emotions they make fun of him in some episodes with the whole guy and you know what is humor versus what is not humor mm-hmm. um, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff so I think that 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 conversation that Picard and, um, data have before the trial starts, which also graded on me where Picard came across for me as well as a little detached, maybe just because they hadn't figured out. It's like the whole crew is figuring out why, mm-hmm. what is data to all of us. But if you look at it from the other point of view, how the heck did he become a Lieutenant Commander in, in Starfleet? Right. Thank like you. Yep. that, that, <laughs> there there are a computer does not become a lieutenant commander and it's not a person there's episodes in the future right. where you know he has to command a bunch of ships and there's some you know friction like, there but
3: yeah frankly like his 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 commission in starfleet yeah. is one of the best defenses you could possibly have cuz starfleet clearly like commissioned him and has promoted him and awarded him as if he were a person
5: yep right yeah like yeah, what yeah. we should have we probably had this
2: conversation before
3: right <laughs> <laughs> several times probably right like, yeah Sorry, redo.
2: <laughs> no, that was it. It. That, was that was it. That was it. So the there's whole thing. there's two yeah. ways of looking at everybody, sort of discovering who and how data could be. Right, the writers and therefore the crew and the writing. Mm-hmm. But there is, a, you know, an undeniable fact that he got through, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, what is the best academy in 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 the known, you know, in the known quadrant. So
3: totally, yeah,
2: sure. I I'm gonna
6: uh, start. Uh admitting rocks into Starfleet Academy, Adam, based on yeah, what you were yeah. just saying there. It doesn't matter, man. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> it's in <laughs> the Commander Rock it's fun, uh, like I'm <laughs> on the bridge here. It's Fortitude, <laughs> incredible. Of my best
5: friends are rocks. And...
6: <laughs> Nash, yeah. can, I, can I jump in uh, here before you switch gears? Um, I think, you know, you all are making some, some awesome points, and I, there's just a couple that I want to pick up on. Um, I think, Adam, what you were saying really st- uh, stood out to me in the sense that, you know, we're seeing... Kind of the end point mm-hmm. of this development like data is mm-hmm. like obviously uh, a sentient being you know he is um, fully formed at this point but i think mm-hmm. the the gray territory and and maybe like the more interesting um dilemma m- might have happened earlier you know in kind of the process mm-hmm. of development you know so like maybe when um ai or when robots or whatever we want to call them are, are just sort of first achieving uh, consciousness. I feel like that's kind of the moment where we might have had maybe a more interesting um, and maybe mm-hmm. difficult time, um, you know, mm-hmm. maybe proving the case. But you know, I feel like at this point, it's it's pretty obvious that, mm-hmm. that data is a life form of of some kind. Um, so anyway, that's that's where
1: I'm I'm landing on mm-hmm. this one. All right, I don't like all this agreement and like
3: <laughs> comedy and,
1: and... You're all wrong. Oh,
3: devil's advocate <laughs> no reason. Yeah,
1: I, that that's precisely what I, was, what I was thinking of doing. Is I was gonna try to to, to argue the other side of this, which is that mm-hmm. data was created by humans to mimic humans, and mm-hmm. I think our compassion for someone that looks like a human. And this is true of all Star Trek aliens, right? Like we we only see the humanoids, and I think people have fundamentally different reactions to the crystalline entity that comes and starts firing lightning bolts <laughs> at the ship, <laughs> than if there was like a humanoid, like you know, throwing a knife. Uh, mm-hmm. We 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 see it as a crystalline entity and and not the crystalline being. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I think the fact that Data looks like a human has these like hands and eyes and hair. Uh, change our reaction to what we want to have happen with data. And Bruce Maddox's argument essentially in this is is the benefit of the many, right? Like if we can make a lot of datas, we can benefit like a great deal of people. And if a human has created this this thing, then another human can take it apart to help other humans by making many of these things.
2: And it's sure. more about the timing, right? You could get to it in a hundred years or you could get to it in two years, right? That's the well, that's the
3: It also seems like so I'm gonna I'm gonna quibble a little bit here because I think we talked a lot about like Tuvix's personhood in when we talked about Tuvix in the for the first Moral Dilemma episode. And I think that's what you came down on. Was, like, it was like it's kind of murder, right? Like Tuvix did not consent. He is a sentient being. And you kind of you kind of said like this is this is kind of murder, right? Jane I... kinda committed murder, right? And like
1: Did I? I think yeah. I was on the <laughs> side of like
3: or is that Bill? Maybe bill. bill. I Maybe think it was Bill. The it's
1: okay. idea, like, if,
3: if, we're so, if we're saying that, like, in order to be a sentient being, basically you can't have been created before you were born, without, without being born, right? And that you, if you're like, only mimicking what people do, I mean, I would think Card's argument about children was a bit reductive, but it also is fair. Like, children learn by mimicking adults. But also, it's not about mimicking. It's also about learning. Like, data has the capacity to learn and to emulate, but then also to make moral judgments, I like guess whole conversation with Riker at the end of the episode is like, I recognize that what you did hurt you and you did it to help me and I forgive you and that's and we're okay. Like that's not a computer program. Mm-mm. Right. Mm-hmm. It is far so far beyond what a computer program can actually do. A data I not mean, only they to... they're not only conscious and is able to be intelligent, which are two of the things or sorry, sort of self-aware, but he has metacognition. Like he understands how he knows what he knows. He understands that he does not understand the things that he wants to understand, and he knows that he's going to learn from other people the best that he can. In order, like that's met- that's not even just intelligence; that's metacognition. So that is a sentient being. And for Maddox, Maddox's whole shtick is not like realistically like it could help so many people. It's like this could help me, and I want to do it. And that's Even though he behavior. doesn't have
4: an ethical basis to know no that he can actually bas- achieve it. He
3: has no ethical basis. He does not have the ability to do what he says he Mm-mm. can do. And Data, who listens to him very calmly the whole time, he's like, here's how I'm going to dismantle you and download your memories. Data's like, I don't think you have the ability to do what you say you're going to do. So I, I don't think you're ready for this yet. Not like you can never do this, but like right now, not a good time. You don't have the ability, right? So it's not, Data's not only not... He is not not able to consent, right? He can give his consent, and he's knowledgeably withholding his consent for now. So, th- I think that argument of means and needs of the many for here for this is like really not super strong because Maddox is clearly in it for Maddox. But you know?
1: isn't that but what I think... isn't isn't there a bit of like self uh, aggrandizement about a lot of people who like make change in the world? Like, isn't there some degree mm-hmm. of like wanting to to have the achievement be yourself and? Isn't it also possible that the problems that Maddox can come those facing technologically? I mean, they could be overcome with studying the only extant android. Like, what,
3: what, I think what are the stakes too? I think there's a real like, if, you're, if you're basically the state the what the stake for data is losing everything that he has learned in his emotional intelligence, and the stakes are not like we're at war and you're gonna people, everyone's gonna die if this doesn't happen within the next year then it's not a really high-stakes situation. This is like, Maddox wants to do it. Data is here. He wants to do it now. But he's not ready. So, like, it's not the same stakes as, like, say, like, the Star Starfleet is facing a total annihilation. So, no. I mean, I think, yeah, there is a there is a degree of self-importance for people who are studying things and want to achieve what they want to achieve. At the same time, Maddox fundamentally rejects any possibility that Data is more than what he decided that he is, which is arrogance, and violence. So no thanks.
4: <laughs> well, and like, would we want some, like say there's a person who says, I want to study how the heart works. So I need to cut you open and look at how your heart works. But I don't actually know how to put you back together after confident. I cut open <laughs> that is, your chest, you know,
2: Believe no. it or not it has happened yeah. in humanity over totally. the last 5000 years. And that's years. unethical too, it right? Is totally you know unethical. so
4: yeah, right. so it's uh, I mean like and that's the that's kind of the point that data was making to Picard earlier, you know, when you're ta- not you're talking about Picard being a dick. I mean, cuz Picard wanted to put Starfleet's interests ahead of data. Mm-hmm. And data's like, "You wouldn't be thinking this if I was like flesh and blood." Right. And mm-hmm. Picard's like, "Uh i don't like that you just said that (laughs) go away you know (laughs) like um okay you make a good point but i don't want to hear that right now so just go (laughs) you know but i mean so yeah
6: it it really seems like there should have been some middle ground Hmm. possible Hmm. here you know i i feel like um okay so maddox doesn't get to take data apart and you know like cut them into pieces but like Maybe he just could have, like, take him, taken him into his lab for a couple of weeks and, like, scanned him a little bit more or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, I feel like we're, and, you know, there's a reason why the episode presents it in black and white terms to kind of force us mm-hmm. to confront this moral dilemma. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, if this were to happen in, in reality, I feel like there probably would have been something mm-hmm. that Maddox could have done short of chopping data into pieces that still would have been helpful to his research.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and, when, and,
6: like- I, and I think
5: the there there there's an uh, equally valid argument in terms of, like, you can you don't even have to establish personhood for data to uh establish at least that there's that data is extremely valuable and the mm-hmm. chance that you are going to permanently yeah. uh decommission data in order to do this is is maybe not something that we're willing to do um right. but but still like you don't even have to, so I, I but i i think that's the kind of thing like how would they do that in a single episode? Yeah, I, I don't know yeah. that this needed to be like a three or four parter <laughs> no, uh, no, so that it's... we can go down each <laughs> each. It's pretty good. the way <laughs> That's it what is. The author author was. <laughs> I, no.
2: I still feel, <laughs> yeah.
5: I still feel well, author is like in 10 minutes, we just solve the whole thing.
2: I still feel story and writing is, is very 20 years ago, plus 20 years ago, because I truly felt Maddox was extremely single faceted. It reminded me of our good Orion, um, Leader from Discovery, um, and and I guess they needed to do that to shock the people watching it at that time. But honestly, there's like that admiral who comes in, right, to introduce Maddox. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, he's here to work on, you know, work with Data, blah blah blah. And then that guy's like, yeah, I want to dismantle Out. Data, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and he's gone. That admiral's gone, right? And and that's supposed to shock everybody into watching it, but. And then he's bad throughout, with all the it references and all. Then in the end, he's like, "Oh, I am in awe of Data, and I just call Data He, right?" Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I I think Max, if this episode was written, say now or like a part of Discovery, what you say would exactly happen because we're we're used to that where you know they work together and then Data slowly discovers that there's a more nefarious plan, and then mm-hmm. then it comes out. This was like straight off the first five ten minutes. There's a there's a Huge Evil
6: moral dilemma.
2: Queue. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know,
4: Notch, you did say something. I, I, to what you were saying, there were better arguments to have been made that mm-hmm. data was not sentient because there were things that Picard brought up that were really easy to push against. And Riker didn't do it because Riker didn't want to Mm -hmm. and because the writers didn't want to drag the story out. But um, so so there were other arguments to be made. They just didn't make them Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that I found that to be
1: interesting, too. I I, uh, I'll continue my devil's advocating for just a second. (laughs) Just just, just to be provocative for a second. Uh, I've been assigned as the judge advocate general for this podcast. So (laughs) it's my (laughs) duty. (laughs) I don't have a staff to do this for me. (laughs) So. we we routinely end life that has done some learning like whenever we harvest crops crops have been shown like grass has been shown to be able to learn a chemical response to being cut and there are you know we we have draft animals that we uh we we basically make them live a life for whatever we want and i mean for for millennia you called your draft animals at the end of the year right like that was the whole like the 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 vikings had this thing where they made all these uh uh, sacrifices to the norse gods at the end of the the fall after the harvest because you couldn't sustain all of your animals and so this is something that we have as a species we've we've deemed that some life can be ended for some greater purpose that benefits humanity so with data i mean We're not even saying for sure that it's that data's like existence is gonna end. We uninstall programs. All I uninstalled Firefox before this podcast and reinstalled it. Everything Firefox, Firefox. everything Firefox Firefox had learned about me is gone.
3: Okay, but like you, you, you just said like a like a minute like data is different because data is a lot more than wheat. And he is not a draft horse, right? I don't know.
6: Lieutenant Commander we horse. Pretty cool. oh oh
3: Dear
4: listeners, I'm so sad you couldn't see Dinah's face while not just
2: talking. No. I
3: was vigorously shaking my head with, like, a real intense uh, stink face going on. It's just, like, it, it's not the same, right? And so making those arguments, yeah, they're I think it's, a like, a valid devil's advocate situation. So way to go, notch for being the devil's advocate today. But, like, there are fundamental differences between wheat and somebody who was able to talk and reason and ask for things and advocate but for the, things. And it's, it's fundamentally different. It's fundamentally uh, but, different. But the, the,
5: the problem is we we can't, uh, so I, it's kind of cheating having data be played by like a human actor and, and whatnot. And, but the, like, the thing is we, we have, we have machines, we have computers now that can learn and mm-hmm. that like, not really at the time of, of this episode, but like, certainly for the, for the past uh, several years, we've been benefiting from translation, uh, algorithms that are able to like right. like Come they 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 have they're built on stuff that does learn and th- i i'm i don't i'm not a, uh, currently aware of something in, in existence but i'm sure that we can make one that has a uh, very sound moral judgments based on uh different like ethical problems or whatnot like that that's not that's not an absurd thing to imagine coming out of the next few years and, and i don't know that anyone is going to give a serious argument that they are sentient or that they uh, should have rights based on their ability to uh navigate some of the like again, more difficult parts we are, of thinking. We're
3: currently in, you know, 2021 and this situation this yeah. story is 2350 2365, right? So like there is a lot more like, between now and then that we are eventually like I think you said, bone, we're going to have to come to this to terms with the reality of artificial intelligence as a moral a moral compunction, not just as like I created it so I can destroy it.
2: Yeah, and there's a line, right? Basically, there's a line that keeps moving, and we learn. And for this episode, Picard was, the line must be drawn here, right? And so he drew that line. <laughs> yeah. And um, I mean, the, the wheat analogy is interesting, right? If you guys have read Sapiens, it wasn't humans that domesticated mm-hmm. wheat. Wheat domesticated humans, and Adam's chickens have domesticated him, as opposed to the other way around, right? He lived we, outside um, for the whole,
3: <laughs> his whole... life <laughs> only the chickens that brought him inside, he thought him how to cook.
2: Yeah, again, potential spoiler, but this is so tied to WandaVision as well, right? Um,
3: So, I mean, like, Data just... Again, because Data has the ability to give an objective evaluation of his own dismantling, right? Data has the ability to understand what hurts other people, even though he can't feel pain, right? Data says things like, I regret, I will miss you. He understands the value of friendship, right? Listen, I'm... Weep. No, remembers being cut Dr. Soon
5: told him to
3: okay cool whatever right if
5: Firefox <laughs> asked me those
1: questions it's like I don't want to be uninstalled enough. no
3: I think, so I think I honestly think this is a fundamentally it's like bad. I'm actually getting emotionally <laughs> <a trick, laughs> triggered but I'm emotionally like intense like this is it's not it's working it is working but like that's I mean the, the issue is not everything that is alive maybe has memory so we should kill nothing that's alive it's there are really fundamental differences between like plant life And a life that is, yes, definitely created by a person and does not go through the normal developmental stages of, you know, babyhood all the way through adulthood. It's not an organic being in the same way. But if it has the ability to consent and to understand its existence and to learn, then it should have the ability to be treated as if it is a sentient being and to be given the right to consent or not to consent. Like, there are differences between trees. Trees are great, right? Trees have lots of memories. Trees have, like, communities. But there's a difference between a tree and a person.
1: So far mm-hmm. as we can tell. Not do. according to Avatar, and so... the movie, right? So... Great, whatever. I mean, <laughs> okay. I agree with so... everything you're saying, okay? So, <laughs> right. like, don't get mad at me. I'm, <laughs> I'm literally... Not, I'm,
4: I'm seen entire <laughs> conversation. not <laughs> you. Know, I'm but
1: That's I will point out one weakness in, in this. And... Which I think, I mean, the whole point of this series for our podcast is to ask uncomfortable questions of ourselves and to help us think about the world a little bit differently, perhaps. And I think there's one weakness here, which is our ability to understand. We, so far as we know, wheat is not communicating with us. We don't know that, though. And that is, I think, the thing that makes me uncomfortable is, is if data was just communicating in bleeps and bloops and we couldn't, there was no way to understand what those bleeps and bloops meant. There might be a misunderstanding where how much of we as humans, just because we say we can't translate what you're saying, we misunderstand what sentience might be, uh, or do 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 and the first, potential. I mean, like, of- well, Pic- you got to watch the episode
6: with the exocomp in yeah. it, uh, and the exocomp decides that uh, right. it does not want to, you know, do the dangerous maintenance task yep. anymore. But I mean, so. So, but I
3: mean, Picard brings it up in in the courtroom scene at the end, where he's talking about like he asks Maddox what the, the three, what like qualifies something for being a sentient being. And they say intelligence, self-awareness, and consciousness. And Picard's argument is, okay, if you, you acknowledge he's intelligent and you acknowledge that he's self-aware, I would say that you could even acknowledge that he's conscious. But, like, Picard's like, if there is a possibility that he could be conscious, which is kind of what you're talking about with Wheat, right? Like, hmm. the moral dilemma is not, like, because Data is like, Wheat, we should kill it. You should kill him, right? It's more like, if Wheat were conscious, I would have a whole new moral dilemma on my hands that I don't yeah. currently have. So... Your argument is not really like data, wheat can learn, data can learn, data should die. (laughs) It's that if wheat is conscious the way data is conscious, wheat should also not die.
1: I think I I was saying some of that stuff before when I was trying to play the other side of this argument. What I'm saying right now is that simply everything you're saying is true, but it's based on our perception. And so if we cannot perceives if something isn't communicating in a, in with us in a way that we can perceive all of these things we're we're fundamentally not going to be able to apply this rubric that we've come up with because we haven't been able to communicate with it and so I agree with everything you're saying i think the point my point was simply that it does depend on our ability to perceive all of these things about the object that we're Mm. judging to apply for like you're saying the fundamental difference standard depends on that perception and if you take away that perception the ability to communicate Suddenly we're in much deeper water. I think the other thing that you're connecting with in the point that I've made across this whole series is that it's hard to create rubrics sometimes, and that we have to apply a case by case situation to Mm -hmm. some of these dilemmas, and that we have to be able to say like, let's say there was everything about data, like you know could like maybe like a machine just like data, but we had some of those things removed. We can't have like a thing that has eyes and hands is automatically sentient standard we need to be able to analyze these situations on a case-by-case basis necessarily like to to say like okay this is different this is a plant or like wheat Mm -hmm. and this is a data or whatever and we we need to be able to trust our leaders to be sensible smart and apply these decisions rather than or or the judgment that we we have or or the people who are judging that they're able to like Mm -hmm. judge Mm -hmm. those things. we're able to say okay you're i trust you to do that uh, to apply these standards on a case by case basis. Um, so I think this touches again a line that we have talked about, or at least I have in in other, uh, previous episodes of this podcast too.
2: And I think I think Trek touches that later on as well. I don't know if it's in TNG, but isn't there an episode in in some series where there's like this particle being or collection yeah. of particle beings, and somebody's trying to harvest it, and and
3: th- yeah, Is it- actually
2: go to war with with the ship and they try to take over the ships isn't it isn't it tng yeah, no,
3: no it, 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 so there's a there's a part, part like a particle species that does take over the ship or like grows in the side of the ship is that tng or is that um we no, should know.
5: we should look I mean, it up but it is exactly the episode that... that you're talking about for next week an episode kind of like what you're talking about Maybe. not quite that that's i mean.
1: We're, so we're going to be talking about. Well, equi- I mean, they're not this, particles. This is so. this is a great yeah. time to say that we're going to be talking about Star <laughs> Trek way. Voyager's Equinox Part One and Part Two mm-hmm. next week. I've neglected to mention that at the start <laughs> of the episode. So, uh, but there, I think if I I haven't watched it in a long time, but one of the fundamental questions is that these sentient species is being harvested because they exist in a different plane so the equinox captain is harvesting them to get Mm -hmm. him and his crew home earlier through like some experimental like species drive or something i I
3: think the one that um rudy and i are talking about is the one where the particle beings become like holodeck characters on a train am i right about that one there's one yeah. There's one like that, and they're not technically sentient, but they're not. That's I mean, that seems like seven. the crazy shit
5: that I, that happens in.
6: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah that, that's episodes, season so. seven. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I just watched that one recently.
4: Yeah. Uh, oh, um, maybe it's a different one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like New Verderon City or something. Yeah. Yeah. New something, yeah. whatever.
3: What I can't remember what the name of the city no, is. But-
1: tickets, please.
3: You <laughs> <laughs> have to get off this train.
1: Uh, I'm trying to look. There's an episode called Emergence that has some sort of train. Puzzling events on and off the holodeck lead the crew to the to a surprising conclusion: the ship is creating its own offspring. Is that what y'all are thinking maybe, about? No,
3: nope. I don't. Maybe. Anyway.
1: Maybe yeah. Yep. Yep. That train engineer with glasses and a mustache. Uh, I mean,
3: they have like the one train car and the train engineer on, on retainer all the yeah. time.
1: <laughs> so, anyway, uh, <laughs> I think I think we've talked quite a bit about this uh, the question um, that we that was posed initially. Um, Couple of other things, maybe we can talk about the moral dilemma of you being assigned to a pos- to argue a position that you don't fundamentally believe, and you have to do it only because the alternative is even worse. Uh, mm. So Riker's That's, place, yeah, it's like logic and debate. It was really <laughs> <Right>. very convenient. <laughs> yeah,
6: I mean, I
3: mean, it, again, it makes me wonder about like the actual legal code of Starfleet, because like this happened with um the drumhead too. Or like, what is the what's the smell test for this one? And this one's like. If you don't represent, like, he, Riker accusing himself seemed really appropriate to me. Like, hey, listen, I I can't do this because of all of my emotional attachments. I, can, I couldn't possibly prosecute this fairly. And then Lou was like, well, if you don't do it, I'm just going to summarily and arbitrarily fine for the prosec- for the prosecution instead. And there's no one else at this base with this admiral <laughs> who could possibly I mean, do the,
4: this.
5: The, the, the answer is that the legal underp- underpinnings of Starfleet are such that I mean guys we only have 43 <laughs> minutes. To come on. I have to decide something. It's a very
6: efficient I justice need you system. To just
1: get <laughs> yeah, For I sure. think so so we can say the Starfleet's moral dilemma is if the first officer refuses to do it. <laughs> <laughs> can I mean, you there's not literally select anyone no one else?
3: else. <laughs> we have nothing, on this base in the neutral zone where people live long term, we have nobody else who can possibly do this. Also right. is William Riker but, like but, a but, lawyer?
1: Let, let, but this is this is I mean it comes up in our criminal justice system, right? Like cl- mm-hmm. the 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 people who have done heinous things need someone to represent their side in the justice system, and that's I mean the, the writing might be a little clumsy, but that's what the writing is trying to do, right? It's trying yeah. to say like <laughs> you yeah, know he has to do this thing uh, because somebody needs to represent the other side. How do we feel about that?
3: I think re- typically in the criminal justice system as it exists right now, like def like defense lawyers are not. Uh, legally obligated to like argue that their client is innocent, right? So mm-hmm. basically, they're 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 um, legally obligated, of course, and morally obligated to represent their client and do what's in the best interest of the client. But realistically, there are times when it's like. You did this thing, but I'm going to try and argue down the penalty, for example, or I'm going to try to do it, make a plea deal so that you don't have the same amount of time, or I'm going to try and get you moved to a different like facility so that you're inside not maximum. Mm-hmm. So, like, there are there are nuances within the system, which I mean, obviously, it's a it's a broken system anyway. So like, but like, leaving aside the fact that it's a completely broken and racist system, just for a second, um, the defense lawyers are not obligated to argue for. Someone's total innocence, and are then are they like are, are therefore not obligated to, to to lie if you know they know mm-hmm. that their client is in fact guilty, but then you know they're going to try and argue for the best side. So Riker being put into into position where he fundamentally disagrees with the even the the fundamental like purpose of the case, and he has to argue for something that he knows is not true himself is a really weird untenable position for him to be in because he's basically being strong armed to argue something that he doesn't himself believe in order to get to, to put an outcome that he knows is not for the best interest. You know what I mean? So it's, it's not, it's not a, it's not like this is a really good analogy for our current. But yeah, criminal I, system. I think,
6: I think the key is that in our you know current system, um, people enter those roles, you know, knowing mm-hmm. that this is a possibility. Right. That's part of the job description mm-hmm. that you you know, willingly take on if you're a, you know, a public defender or a prosecutor or whatever, um, you go into that field knowing that, mm-hmm. that you might have to do this at some point. Right. Whereas Riker is just a guy on, on the Enterprise who is basically yeah. being pressed into this role. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess for me, that's, and that's blackmail really blackmail the too, difference right? Yeah,
3: like blackmail. Like, if you don't do this, then your friend is going to get chopped up.
4: This gives him a chance for some good face acting, though. You know, Jonathan Frakes, that scene when he's standing in front, you know, and he realizes there's the What was it? The manual um, manual control shut off or whatever. And he's like, yes, I found what will win the case. Oh, I found what will (laughs) win the case. (laughs) So
5: so like regardless of whether it makes sense. I, th- I think it was great. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it, it, uh, uh, it. It's and, and it, at least I think it is interesting to kind of like force your characters into like being adversaries in in some mm-hmm. sense. So like it's a kind of thing. Like I I get doing it, um, and I think it's interesting. And then I kind of forgive the like, but he would be a shitty prosecutor anyway, and yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean, but. I I I understand where Louvois coming from actually, because she says I've made a decision. You don't. You're challenging it. If if we can't find, yeah, yeah. I think it's the Starfleet thing where like nobody else can step in, mm-hmm. which is bogus. I think if I had to like see why starfleet might have done that if i had to retcon that explanation it's that sometimes you're on a ship somewhere so you need your two top officers to take on this role maybe riker Mm -hmm. it was one of those things that like they handed him a 40 page of you are agreeing to this as first officer so like, is, is a top
6: officer even necessarily the most trained right, or qualified
1: right. to mm-hmm. be and, and like it a lawyer? And might be like, biased, might be biased because yeah. they've been commanding. Like, there's a lot of problems there. Uh, also, Diana, basically, you said earlier in the criminal justice system, and I was really hoping you said the people are represented <laughs> people, by two separate, are, equal, important uh, <laughs> groups. The I'm police who so, investigate so crime. I watched,
3: like, a thousand hours of SVU, and I did not even pick up what I said, and I'm upset <laughs> about that. But, like, Subliminal. so, Adam, just one more, like, moral dilemma... Peace, which is not really a huge moral dilemma, but it was kind of like a moment at the end of the episode where I was like, "What? Seriously?" Louva at the end is like, "I'm not really qualified to decide whether something is or is not a person." I'm like, why? Why have we gone through this entire court <laughs> marsh? What? <laughs> like, that's the entire benefit of like, like, purpose of this case. And she was just like, "I'm just not qualified to deal with levels of you know metaphysics and and philosophy in this way." And I'm like, "Okay." But you knew what this that was court this this trial was going to be going in. I'm confused about why you thought you were qualified then, but you know you're not qualified now. You
4: know. You know yeah. what I found interesting about Philippa. I almost wondered. there was that line that she says um, when she and Picard are kind of going back and forth, and he's like, "I hope you'll remember your duty" or whatever, and she <laughs> says, "I've never forgotten it, not then, and certainly not now." And it made me wonder if she actually thinks that Data is sentient and just wants this case to be able to be the one that just removes mm. that doubt mm. like and she mm. and that's and she totally trusts in Picard's ability to be able to make the case because mm. she knows him and she has confidence in his reasoning I don't know I just mm. it's it just like it seemed like she, she she had some sort of interest in I mean she doesn't know data but mm-hmm. but she didn't want this case to go necessarily the other way right. you know mm-hmm. I don't know
1: yeah I I, yeah, it, I kind of fell on the same side almost where it's it's like I, I thought that that was actually interesting I think i I don't mind a judge who says at the start of the case, like I've made up my mind, I know what I know how things lie, but then because of the presentation of evidence, they're like well actually i I don't feel like this is too complicated now, like I don't know that I can make a decision that makes this person like that that lets this person's life go at the same time. I don't feel like I have all of the information to like completely go the other way as well it's not like I mean, one way to look at it would be, like, the presumption that you're declared not guilty versus declared innocent. Like, you know, some I, I would respect mm-hmm. someone who can say, like, I can't say that you're innocent, but I can say that you're not guilty. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the thing with this, right. pr- where she sits, where I'm like, okay, fine. Like, you can, like, it goes again. Like, I would sit and say, like, maybe I can't perceive, maybe this being is doing something perceptually that is beyond my perception so i can't say that they're like not a being but at Mm -hmm. the same time i can't come down and say like i can't perceive anything so i can't say like for sure that they are a being either like
3: err on the side of caution err on the side of sentience kind of exactly
1: (laughs) exactly and that that's how i kind of perceived it
2: i think that's a nice way of putting it i didn't see it that way that's maybe taking away a little from picard really making like a hail mary case at the end um and if he hadn't done that she would have like she never she you know, she, not so much as she being re- restrained from doing what she wanted, but she had already made her mind up in data not being sentient. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was trying to look at a theme and this is actually, I was listening to a podcast um when you guys were in, I wasn't in there. It was Drumheads, I think, and Diana, you brought it up around how it was kind of skewing sexist toward her right? And I had, yeah, I, I actually thought... fought, I, I fought, about, I fought I, against, I, so I
3: think that was Bowen and, and Notch who were saying that it was sexist.
2: Yeah, and, and and I didn't see that before, but now with this, right? Um, so you have City, you have louvois, you have um, what's her name, Netchiev, right? That's her name. She's never have, yeah. been, you know, mm-hmm. portrayed well. Um, and then, then the one in Picard, right? That Commodore, who is the security director, right? Mm-hmm. Who the 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 Vulcan who ends up being Romulan. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. her name is yeah. O mm-hmm. or something, right? Yeah. How many? How many? Badmirals are male in starfleet versus female and then the episode name also rubbed me the wrong way measure of a man i was like okay yeah that was that was 25 years ago um but but what do you guys think um is there a trend there am i am i digging it i think it's a tv
3: trend i mean i think it's you know again i I will say that i don't think sati's characterization is sexist i think that was not something that i saw or and I continue to have to feel it but also that's my opinion but I also think that like you know TV casting is TV casting in today's world too or 1989's world right so I think it's more about like the trend of, that we already have established and we already understand versus like this is a Star Trek trend you know
1: yeah, I, I don't think I have the data to make that conclusion, but you're right that Picard does seem to like get on the bad side of a bunch of powerful women every now and then. I think
3: it, <laughs> it's
1: true. <I> think <laughs> yeah. it is. But he just maybe gets on the bad oh, side yeah. of everybody. They're so in power. good. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just so a common powerful. thread
2: across. I, I didn't even notice that when I mentioned the names. Is the common thread across each and every
1: one of them? Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> well, anyway, maybe someday we can we can run a count. But uh, <laughs> I will say he when he communicated to Admiral Janeway and Nemesis, he seemed all right. So. (laughs) it's all good Um, (laughs) another quick moral dilemma before we go to break is this the best admiral's outfit in Star Trek don't answer that too difficult question I don't think we're in a place to judge we cannot make this decision we're
3: not qualified to make this decision
1: as Dinah you and Emily I'm going to place y'all on opposite roles and arguing this case in front of the podcast (laughs) perfect (laughs) anyway let's take a break here we'll come back and talk about production writing all sorts of other stuff in the second part of our show
0: It sits there looking at me, and I don't know what it is. This case has dealt with metaphysics, with questions best left to saints and philosophers. I'm neither competent nor qualified to answer those. but I've got to make a ruling to try to speak to the future. Is data a machine? Yes. Is he the property of Starfleet? No. We've all been dancing around the basic issue. Does Data have a soul? I don't know that he has. I don't know that I have. But I have got to give him the freedom to explore that question himself. It is the ruling of this court that Lieutenant Commander Data has the freedom to
1: choose. Welcome back to Strange New Takes. We've sent off Nakamura's Admiral uniformed Bruce Maddox to be taken apart and recreated <laughs> a billion fold in Starfleet. Oh,
3: you gotta
1: have that tease uh, for everybody. <laughs> but anyway, uh let's talk about this episode from a writing and characterization standpoint, other production details that we want to talk about as well. Um I said earlier that. Picard comes across a little gruff, and this is something that actually, if you listen to uh, other behind-the-scenes stuff from TNG, uh, people have said that Patrick Stewart, when he came into TNG, was a little bit more aloof with his castmates, and it took him a little while to like chill mm-hmm. out and... And for them all to get along now i don't know the timeline of that specifically but i i i it's been a while since i watched tng as well but i could see something similar happen to picard to where initially picard is characterized as a little bit rough on the edges and then kind of mellows over time um so i did want to address that like but Mm -hmm. i did think there were times in this episode where he just comes across like really mean and like i don't know maybe when when philippa has like prosecuted something that you thought was like okay and like you know, I could see why there could be a personality clash there a little bit, but uh, I, I was like, dude, give her a break. Like, <laughs> you don't need to be like mean every time you leave a room with her in it. Like, you know. Yeah, it was like the
5: last time you dated was like forty years ago, so. <laughs> dude, <who knows>?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but That's you know,
6: a- I, I honestly, I, I didn't really interpret mm-hmm. it that way, and I think specifically when when we're talking about the relationship between um, Picard and Philippa. I think that was just their relationship, you know, mm-hmm. I think they're both, you know, very highly uh driven, accomplished, um aggressive uh Reisty. in some ways people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's just kind of how they related to one another. Um and they seem to kind of enjoy that that sort of mm-hmm. interaction with one another. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I guess I I didn't necessarily see it that way personally.
3: I think they both have share kind of like a moral righteousness about them too. Like I mean she she prosecuted a case that fundamentally affected her relationship with Picard. And like, not because she did the wrong thing, but because like it hurt their relationship. And that's a very strong yeah. possibility, you know, and it's not like, yeah. So, I mean, Picard definitely seemed pretty butthurt about it, like 10 years on. Um, But I don't. Well, actually, but I also think like there was a situation for him where I don't think it he really he held it against her a little bit, but he didn't like let it be like the thing there's like, I don't even trust your judgment. Like he did continue to to turn to, to Louvois and, like, to talk to Louvois and to trust in Louvois' um, integrity, even though he disliked what she did in, that, in the prosecution. So, like, yeah, I mean, I don't think it was Picard at his, at his friendliest, but also, like, even though Picard, as we said, has had girlfriends in every qu- quadrant of the entire galaxy, from here to Vulcan and back or whatever, like, he's really bad with women, <laughs> too. <laughs> so he's, like, you know, I think there's, like, a, like an element of being uncomfortable or like you know just being self-righteous that he he has as a character trait anyway um so yeah i yeah, don't know I, I, yeah i I actually
5: realized that i i think i'm wrong so uh, i forgot about the the timing here so i actually it's probably not that crazy for her for him to be still pretty mad about their last interaction because she had prosecuted the um the stargazer, stargazer. court-martial exactly right. yeah and that at this point was uh a re- almost 2 years ago mm-hmm. so like yeah, or okay. maybe not even that cuz i i'm not sure if we know exactly when it happened
1: 2355 memory alpha knows everything it 10, so it's 10 years ago so it was everything 10 years. okay so, so, like, it, so
5: it was it a while yeah. but yeah but it but it's still um a uh, that 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 probably <laughs> screws a... with you when when you you lose your ship and then you're you're sort of put through the ringer by, by well someone they probably haven't seen each other with. since then yeah those the
3: last
4: time I so yeah, them, the yeah. first time you see yeah. a person after they d- the kind of you felt kind of stabbed you in the back or whatever you're gonna have that like... yeah so
5: I, I I'm back on <laughs> team Picard uh, uh, he, he's totally justified uh, being a little mad about the whole what thing. what
3: I will say about Picard's character because I know that that scene with um Data does sort of rub people the wrong way and I completely understand like I think. Picard just taking it as like, I know I have personal feelings about this, but like we have to do what's good for Starfleet or whatever as being the baseline. And then Data being like, hey, actually, there are other moral implications about this. And like, would you feel the same way if I were actually human? And Picard's Mm -hmm. like, I don't like these feelings that I'm feeling. Get out of my (laughs) get out of my ready room. (laughs) But then like immediately after he does dismiss Data summarily and gruffly, he then launches into an investigation and applies what Data says to him into Data's defense, right? So like, while I don't think he should have talked to Data the way that he did, at the same time, he took Data's opinion into consideration, realized that he was wrong and tried to mend it.
4: So I, feel I mean, like, basically, mm. Picard is me when I'm having a conversation with wrong, my parents, <laughs> and they tell me something that I don't want to hear, mm-hmm. and so I have to go leave and be mad about it for, for a sure. while. Mm-hmm. But then the next day, I come back and I'm like, "Okay, you were totally right, and that no, is wait, what wait, I need wait. to do." <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, and if you think about it, like Data is not the the kind of person that if you're mad at Data or Data is making you feel some shit, Data is not going to be helpful in helping you deal with that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Let me emotions. talk to you through your like, feelings about this.
3: Like, I don't understand your like,
5: Oh, please, data, go away. And <laughs> let me just like think about this for a bit. But so, in general, I Counselor
4: thought...
3: Troy <laughs> <laughs> did not appear one time in this episode. No feelings. <laughs> no one had any feelings, yeah. and it's fine. The end. <laughs> but I will say that, like, I mean, we quibbles. I'm sorry, Notch. Notch has been opening his mouth several times, and I'm, God, I'm so sorry. I will say that overall in this episode, like, while we've talked about there are some maybe confusions or concerns about how these issues are presented, like legal issues or like, representation of data and like all that stuff I will say that this episode itself is written very well in terms of characterization I feel like it flows really well it makes a lot of sense like data doesn't seek Picard out after being told he's going to be dismantled Picard reaches out to him and data's like I guess you wanted to see me there's like there's a lot there that like it makes sense within the characters why they would act the way that they do act and I I think it holds together really well you know
5: yeah, and they even do like little interesting moments of like having making the point of having uh, Bruce Maddox just like walk into Data's room without uh, mm-hmm. asking, which is like shit. not any th- something anyone does in Star Trek, and so so it's it's interesting to sort of uh, mm-hmm. that they thought
1: to actually have that be a thing.
3: Totally. Um, Absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think this is a great episode to introduce someone to TNG because there are a lot of, like, little character moments that then get fleshed mm-hmm. out on, like, like, De- De- Jordi and Data sharing a moment,
0: mm-hmm. the
1: poker, there's, you know, Chief oh, sure. O'Brien's yeah. in there. I think this is, a, you're, you're right, I think the there were a couple of moments where I was, like, I think the direction was a little, like, weak at times where, mm-hmm. for example, Picard's, like, Phwah! moment when Philippa shows up and he's just, like, you know, does a spit take and, like, you know, goes <laughs> up to her, like, is drawn to her. He dropped and, and, the
3: stairs too dramatically.
1: Right. Uh, and then, like, Riker, who's, like, I don't take no pleasure in this. I'm, like, I hate this. I don't want to do it. And then he, like, finds the off switch and he, like, smiles and he's, like, ha-ha! And it, he's, like, you know, just one step short of, like, cackling and, like, you know, rubbing his palms together. And it's
3: style of movie acting bro <laughs> right 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 and,
1: it, and, it, and it's very like it's very much like okay we're just gonna play play the direction a little bit on the nose which is fine like that's mm-hmm. you know it's, it's a style and yeah. it's okay like it's not a big deal um i think the interesting thing is i think there's there's a big subplot in this episode dealing with just with the relationships in general like how because i think the a plot has a lot to do with like data sentience but i think there is a undercurrent of like how people relate to one another guy touches on this in a very explicit way with the whole thing about property and like who's in mm-hmm. charge and this and that but you know again through the relationships of these different officers together we also find out the data fox and like you know there's mm-hmm. that there's that whole like we were intimate thing uh with with uh with tasha mm-hmm. and it's there there's a whole like thing there you know philippa and Picard, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have the character who just fundamentally does not understand human relationships and boundaries, and Maddox, and who's pushing everyone's relational boundaries. There's actually a scene cut from this episode where Maddox barges into Data's farewell party in the mm-hmm. mess hall, which I think is restored in the edited version that mm-hmm. is an extended version of this episode, uh, which I have oh. not watched. Yeah. It's on the Blu-ray, I think. But um, is,
2: there, is there more information on this... this um... Yar data thing that that's the first time I heard of it. And,
4: it's second our first season, season, second mm-hmm. episode. I mm-hmm. think the naked
2: now. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay.
4: yeah,
1: yeah. Because they, 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 um. So I guess that continued until her passing, and mm. or something like that. But anyway, mm-hmm. it's uh. And I I put it a little like you know jokingly as as that uh, he fucks but like we don't know that for sure i just want right. to make it clear i
4: don't think it I don't continued think it can, i think yeah. it was a one-shot thing i think okay. it was tasha was drunk because of the virus or whatever that was in the air mm. or whatever particle and they went and did it and then she went up to him afterwards and said don't you ever speak of this again which is why i don't think i should I say have an, i haven't watched
1: yeah. that episode my see and that's the thing yeah. as someone who hadn't watched that, that episode in a mm-hmm. while and like was just making up like a a history based on what I saw, I thought that, that that meant that maybe they'd had a deeper relationship. Um, mm-hmm. and so anyway,
3: it, it might have been because obviously Data had this like keepsake, it's an indication that he caught feelings of some kind. I know that we, like he struggles with emotions and learns emotions, but mm-hmm. like there is a there's a tenderness there. And I, I do want to, like, not that I don't, I whatever, it's not like really a big deal in the episode so I won't make a big deal out of it but like there's a little bit of like no oh, so the fact that he fucks people means that he's sentient like okay you know whatever but I think the fact that he I has mean, that's
5: tenderness the fundamental law
3: I mean that's what people that's, that's, what people that's what they do and that's why
4: I think Maddox is actually the one who's not sentient because <laughs> I have a feeling she that no meant. one just, I just can't imagine being like I want to mac
3: on that face but um he I mean I think the reality is that like Data's ability to be tender toward people and to, to learn tenderness and understand what that is i think that's such a huge part of data's character anyway um and i think it really comes out in not a, like a i was in love with her that's why i'm a person it's just like i can feel things toward people and and learn how important they are to me and how important i can be to them
4: well the way um, i understood that it's it wasn't necessarily about like I mean, I think it was because it was a singular experience for, for sure. Data. Oh, yeah, she's the mm-hmm. only person that he's had that experience mm-hmm. with, and that's why Until it was important queen. to him. And that's why, yep. yes. But at this point, bar, right? I mean, right, also right, right. Like, so, that's yeah. very
3: that's, that's a problematic relationship, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
4: Well, I mean, the Tasha data one would be problematic That's as true. well because yeah. you, you yeah. know, you really can't consent when you are under the influence of, mm-hmm. you know. But he, he was
5: too, if I recall, because it did something to his positronic something, something. Yeah, I
4: think so. They're, they were all, Positron's, they were all, you know.
3: Positron. But I think in, in terms of this, epi- like in terms of writing, this episode holds together well in terms of characterization and character, like friendship relationship, or like the arcs of all of these, these things that we've sort of been like giving data time and Geordie and Picard. I think it, it all worked out really beautifully in a way that wasn't over the top and really like hammy. Um, and so, while there are yeah you know, foibles for this episode in terms of like, you know, plotting, in terms of writing, I think it's really good.
1: I, and I mean, uh, honestly, for me, even the like few like quibbles with the plot that we've been talking about, I can look past them so quickly. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's so easy to like get busted <laughs> yeah. and just be like, yeah, Riker has to represent. They, you know, Maddox. Yeah, sure. Space justice doesn't have to make sense. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I thought that was good. I think um, it's interesting that how much they were able to imbue Philippa's character with a sense of personality and like we. I think she was quite fleshed out by the end of this episode, which kind of mm-hmm. makes me mm-hmm. upset that they didn't bring her back ever. It's kind mm-hmm. of an interesting choice, but um, maybe Picard season two, Philippa comes back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We never know. But uh, so that was that was a regret. I also thought that their ejection of Admiral Nakamura, like after the one scene, he it was like, why did you make a new uniform for him? <laughs> like
4: <what?"> <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens with all the Asian characters, anyway. So I just yeah, a... he at least comes back though. That's true. Because we see we see Emerald, Yeah, I think another, I think we've uh, seen
6: before. Yeah, he's, he's a time. he's a face yeah. on a screen from time to time. I think. <laughs> yep. Yeah. He's yeah.
4: He has yeah. he words. He's a repeat admiral.
6: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, it's it's all just clips of this episode that they just like <laughs> have him say <save> the <laughs> and then. <laughs> yeah, he's in he's in three episodes: Phantasm, and he's in All Good Things. Um, mm-hmm. So he's really, oh, wow. I oh, thought yeah. he was in more than that, huh? Mm-hmm. So here, here's my question to y'all about the conception of this episode and and what, what some of the scenes meant to you, which one of them in particular, the poker at the beginning. Why mm-hmm. do you think that that was, that was conceived the way it was and that we saw these characters all playing a game together?
3: So I think part of it is one of the, the really cool parts about like Data's relationship with and communication with Maddox is that like... I don't I wrote several times on my notes like fuck Bruce Maddox like a lot. I felt really bad for him and Picard. And I'm looking back at this, I'm like, oh fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, for Life. But then like Data is actually engaging with Maddox's ideas and his abilities in a much more objective way than I am. Like I am very much like emotionally like against Maddox, where I think Data is able to discuss with Maddox in a more like let me give you an example of what I'm talking about, something I literally just experienced. And we see data learning uh, that there is a, dif- a fundamental difference between probability and outcome because of behavior, right? And he's recognizing that like he he went in being very not cocky but self assured that he that he was going to win because he can do all of these um, equations and all these probability um, workings in his in his head in like one second, and so he's very sure of himself because of that because nobody else in the room is an android. And then when Riker won, it basically taught him and they taught him in the in at uh, the table, we have like there's more to this than just math. Right? There's more to this than probability. And the fact that we were all there in that moment, we see data learning this. And then data brings it up as an example of saying, like, hey, I, I, if you download this experience, it might you might, it might get the 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 fundamental bullet points right, but over like the lesson itself and how that lesson felt to learn, you might not be able to get back. That's a high stake. And so because we've seen him in the episode learning this lesson, we have an emotional stake to be like, oh, you're totally right. Whereas if he, if we had given an, exa- an example that we didn't see, that would be something different. And because Data deals with mathematics and probability all the time, it's a way that he can understand, like, there is my expectation and then there's reality and it's because of this thing. So there, it, it lays out a lot of what Data is really good at and also what Data is not as good at yet. And teaches him something important that he can use in this episode. If that makes sense. So I, I
4: liked they, it. They do this in another episode in the mm-hmm. same season. Because it's. Uh, I remember Pulaski. Because Pulaski's pretty gross towards Data as well. Yeah. And. Um, and i but i can't remember if it's before this episode or after the one with the with the race they do the game where they have the things on their fingers and they trying to make yes, moves and yes. but but you know data realizes he can't play the game to win he has to play the game to a stalemate mm-hmm. and that's what frustrates the guy you know but anyway so it's just interesting that they're using games as a way mm-hmm. to explore some of the aspects of data's learning or this was yes. the
1: first episode in which poker showed up it showed up again 3 episodes later oh. in uh the Royale. But this is why I, I wanted to talk about it a mm-hmm. little bit because this becomes a recurring element of TNG. Mm-hmm. It's in the finale as well, mm-hmm. in all mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. along with Admiral Nakamura. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um He's yeah. the
4: thread.
2: It's him <laughs> this whole time.
1: Right. Uh yeah, anyway, what were you saying, Rudy? Were you gonna say something before I interrupted? It?
2: Yeah, it's it comes across as a little condescending towards data, you know, the way the crew and everybody looks at data, right? Um, you are gullible. You think through things logically. There is much more to um, us. We are much more complex beings, and your your life goal is to become us, complex beings. So, I think I, it know.
3: Helped, I think it helps set up the the moral dilemma, though, too, because I, I, I agree that there's like, especially Pulaski or whatever her name is, is like whatever you're not a person, <laughs> but like it doesn't int- introduce like. Because if everyone was like, everyone was like, you're just a person, and you're the same as all of us, and you have the same skills or whatever, and there was no pointing out the difference between his approach and other people's approaches to poker, then there would have been no real basis for us to be like, oh, well, is he a person? Like, does he he have the same sentience as other people? And so I think, while I agree, it's like, nah, that's kind of gross. At the same time, it makes sense for the actual, like, setup of the moral dilemma within the episode
2: it shows a sense of mechanical gullibility, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's emotional gullibility. And then this came across to me as a little bit mechanical, where if there was a human in Data's place and they didn't know the game and they're playing it and they're like, ah, I see what you're doing. okay, you got me, man, or whatever, right? Um, It's it's much more mechanical with Data. And yeah, I could go either way. I just found it interesting um,
1: Mm -hmm. in that sense. The set of The Courtroom... Was a redress of the Battle Bridge set uh, of the of mm. TNG as well, so that's something to know. And I'm
5: trying to. Find... Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. So and and it's interesting that there are so many courtrooms everywhere because the Enterprise D has one as well that we saw in <laughs> uh, um, the Drumhead, of course. I think that set though was a uh, a redress like Counselor so, Troy's office or yeah, something.
3: Like a, uh like, I don't like a, like a battle like a repurpose like battle st- um, stage stage was... from like Klingon or something.
1: It was a modification of the bridge of the original USS Enterprise as seen in the first three movies.
3: Can I ask what, like, what do we think about oh. the actual courtroom scenes themselves compared to other courtroom scenes from Star Trek? Because they are, in terms of writing, that does matter as well. Like, how do we feel like this courtroom scenario
4: was set up? Or what do we think about it? It felt similar to, um, I can't remember which episode it is, but. It felt similar to some of the courtroom scenes in the original series, mm. where they sit down, put their hand down, and the computer identifies who the officer is. And because no. I don't remember them doing that, like they didn't no. do that in Drumhead mm-hmm. in the same way. No. So anyway, I think it kind of was harkening back more to original series. Totally.
6: I think this one was was really effective. Um, and and honestly, I know that I um, proposed that we watch Drumhead uh, a few episodes back, and I, I think I actually liked this episode. Better than <gasps> <What>? Drumhead, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, which is going to be too. a problem when we get to yeah. ratings because I think I gave that a ten. <laughs> uh, but I'll figure something out. There um, are higher numbers. I'm not going to tell you what you rated it.
1: What's it? I'm not going to tell you what you rated okay. it. Okay, so uh, blind will <laughs> Figure something out. Love I, I think the Excel with sheet.
6: this uh, mm-hmm. with this episode, I just thought that the like the courtroom proceedings mm-hmm. had a little more time to breathe. Mm-hmm. It felt more mm-hmm. drawn out. It felt a little more um natural in a Mm -hmm. way i think drumhead in retrospect seemed pretty rushed uh which led to i think some um i don't know just it just seemed a little more problematic i think in terms of believability um whereas this episode i i i bought it you know Mm -hmm. i this seemed like like a realistic trial in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways do you think... Well, and and
5: like Bruce Maddox didn't need to go through like a, a a break or anything at at the end. It was just sort of like a subtle like, "Hey, did you notice that you used the word he instead of yeah. it yeah. or whatever?" And so, so I I thought it was it was an interesting way to um to to like subtly develop his character and not uh, mm-hmm. he didn't need to like suddenly become Data's best friend. Eventually, they do become friends,
2: but hard
3: eyes, motherfucker.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think Drumhead was built the way it was because um? they wanted to get the audience through like um uh, accelerating um you know anxiety effect Whereas this one is we want to stay away from the decision because we know it has to be made at the end mm-hmm. um and I mean, i'm almost like dying yeah, it to like an purposes. increasing tempo in mm-hmm. <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in drums mm-hmm. yeah um, mm-hmm. i
3: don't know yeah yeah, I agree. I think I think this the the Picard speech. I think is much more not like his speech on its own. It's not like him on the stand being like, "I've been given thirty seconds to say the most intelligent thing I can think of." But what I really liked about Picard's approach to this is that it actually was very lawyerly and also very like debate teamy or like teachery. Like, okay, when you say that, what do you mean? Like, let me break break down what you mean by sentience.
4: Okay, cool. Mm-hmm, I'm gonna use mm-hmm. your
3: own definition against you, motherfucker. <laughs> like, it's an incredibly well structured and elegant way of. Badgering somebody into proving them that they're wrong. Yeah, I, you know? I think
6: in Drumhead the the speeches that Picard gives feel more like one-liners. Mm-hmm. Like they're sort of, I mean, they're awesome, but they're almost like detached from what's actually exactly. happening like in the episode. Like, and, <laughs> and there's also
5: the off-topic
6: one that yeah, right, exactly. It's just just like, the whereas, one I, that I feel quote that like I know? that is a quote yeah. from your dad. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. But I, I feel like in this episode, you know, Picard is still sort of this amazing, mm-hmm. um, insightful, moral badass, but. Um, the, the stuff that he's saying feels more relevant and more tied to what's mm-hmm. actually happening in the For episode.
1: Sure. Yeah. Also, he's awesome because he lent Riker his window to contemplate things. I know. Yes. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. how <laughs> you know this is a moral yeah, dilemma episode. Windows, <laughs> yeah. I have that in my notes. So, <laughs> here, Here's something else from Memory Alpha before we move on to ratings. Uh, in a comment on her blog, Melinda Snodgrass recalls how Jean Rodmer nearly shut down the story. Here's a quote. As to the issue of law and Gene's vision, he nearly killed the measure of a man because, according to Gene, there were no lawyers in the 24th century because if people had criminal intentions, they had their, mi- they quote, had their minds made right. Um, unquote. I found that chilling. I also yeah. pointed out that you have contracts that need to be negotiated and conflicts of law between different legal systems and divorces, etc., there was no way there would be no lawyers in the future. Uh, space communism, indeed. There's reeducation camps, apparently.
5: So well, the, there's an episode of the original series where th- that is literally, and and uh, no one is in the episode is like, oh, this is uh, horrific. <laughs> like they, they, I think they go to like help out a reeducation camp or something because there's a also, like, I mean, like
3: we yeah, yeah, Rodden- it, it
5: a, yeah, it is a it is a thing.
4: Gene Rodden- <laughs> it's <laughs> interesting because Gene. Yeah. Gene Roddenberry had a lawyer that like totally effed up a bunch of things as far as um, mm. his life and TNG and so anyway, card
1: is Gene Roddenberry. T- Philippa is that lawyer. <laughs> well, I mean, it's interesting that like clearly they changed, lawyers, they, changed, right?
3: <laughs> they changed Roddenberry's mind because then like obviously the courtroom scene has become like such a such a linchpin for TNG specifically um, and other you know other Star Trek stuff too. But like that's been like if we think about like what TNG is like is besides the card it's like the courtroom scene and, and like the yeah. trial with q like all this like courtrooms mm. are an important place to discuss moral dilemmas and if you don't have a courtroom scene because everyone's mind is right then you don't have a moral dilemma to like worry about because everyone's like we disagree we agree with each other end.
1: yeah and i mean i'm gonna let gene roddenberry like have an idea that he puts out to a writer and be like actually here's what i think is that before like he's thought through things or whatever and like yeah. changes his mind like this is just a little mm-hmm. tidbit, right? It's interesting, but yeah, I, I, I think we can we can go too deep into Gene Roddenberry's mind. Like he was yeah, literally Stalin.
6: Well, and <laughs> clearly let not. Me just jump in real quick here with, um, you know, the sort of the trope of the courtroom scene mm-hmm. in Star Trek. You know, I, I think that it is absolutely, um, a key part of. I think especially Next Generation, but mm-hmm. obviously we see it in in other series too. But I think the important thing that I would point out is that. In Star Trek, I think um, the courtroom scene and sort of these legal discussions are almost always, um, and it's mentioned in this episode, about the spirit of the law, not the letter of mm, the law. Yeah. And I think for me, that's sort of a fundamental mm-hmm. thing about Star Trek, where it's not, you know, it's not about debating sort of the specifics of the legal code. It's much more about kind of these um, grand ethical or moral principles. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, that's what matters more than the,
1: the fine print necessarily. Mm-hmm. For sure. uh Someone at the bottom has said trivia note uh there's money in the twenty fourth century apparently because Picard buys Philippa dinner. No, he is just a massive enthusiast of the nineties like Tom Paris, and he's watched a lot of movies and that's what movie characters do so they that's buy. he's making a reference
3: I think it's louvois who who uh <laughs> Recommend like he buy her dinner like several times so like
1: right. so she yeah. she's
2: actually Dom enthusiast Paris. yeah mm-hmm. she's she, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> replicator rash
5: and the episode I was referencing is called Dagger of the Mind uh, where they they go into a penal colony
3: uh, yeah.
5: where people get their minds wiped. okay I hate it yeah we
1: can we can do that in our episodes that have aged poorly series (laughs) which I don't want to do because then I have have to watch all these terrible episodes that are very problematic okay anyway (laughs) Let us do our ratings. Let's stick our necks out and give this episode a rating. Who's gonna go first, Max? Since you're gonna contradict your rating from before, why don't you go and do that?
6: Well, <laughs> yeah. See, I don't know. Do I need to knock drumhead down, or do I need to go above a ten? Seven, I, seven
3: thumbs up. I'm, I'm gonna. You know
6: what? I'm I'm just gonna give this episode an eleven out of ten. I I, oh I really my think God. this is. My I think this is one is of dying the of best... a thousand
1: cuts right now. <laughs> yeah. When does multiple be... ratings? You give eleven. Like, good as possible. <laughs> oh, God.
6: Um, it's about the the spirit of the rating, not mm. the the letter of
3: the rating. So, okay. um, I think this is
6: one of the best episodes of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like this was so good. Um, and I personally thought this one held up incredibly yes. well. I think really everything about it worked. I think like Notch and and Rudy. I know I know you mentioned there there are some kind of dated elements here, and I I agree with that. I think especially the scene where. Um, Picard and Louvois first kind of meet each other, and he says like, "Oh my god," or you know, whatever that. Been hell. ten years, but it I mean, seems that, like that was, seems like it's been that was that was a little years. silly, but I I can really look past that very easily mm-hmm. on the strength of everything else that happens here. I, I thought this was amazing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I will um, go ahead, and I was actually debating between a seven point five and an eight. I will give it an eight because I think it sets. I mean, this is again grading in context on in, in when it was made versus us looking back, you know, thirty years from now. I think it, it sets great context for um debating morality and in, in in the future and all of that. I do still feel Bruce Maddox was extremely one dimensional. Um they could have done more with him. And I also feel that Riker was they could have made it a much more complicated and difficult um uh, courtroom situation if um, if they'd given Riker more time. There was just basically one argument and then a counter argument and we're done because we were already, what, 30 minutes in, right? Um, so I will give it an eight eight positronic filaments out of um, 10 uh, Zoom androids.
5: Uh, so I think I'll, I'll jump in here. Uh, I've now been inspired and we've referenced my, my previous, uh, multiple ratings. So, uh, first rating is that this one gets a perfect 10 because <laughs> I think if you kind of like, if you like turn your brain off to a couple of the, of those things, like it's a fabulous episode yeah, yeah, and it also yeah. succeeds in the sense of like, it's one of the best episodes of Star Trek and I can show this one to anybody yeah. and they and, like, they make, maybe can get why I like Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, the, then if you think about it a little bit, maybe it gets a 9. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know that I want to think about uh, Star Trek episodes that much uh, where I start examining that critically. Because I'd start jump, bumping a whole lot of them really far down. <laughs> For
3: sure.
1: <laughs> uh, some of us gave Drumhead an 8 so we can go higher. Uh, to a nine for this episode (laughs) which is where i'm gonna sit for all of the reasons already specified
3: go ahead emily
4: Uh, okay i think i'm gonna go with i can't decide i think i'm gonna go with a 4.9 just because i gave past tense a 10 last week and past tense is really so very good um although i do think that um i do like i feel like this episode posits a strong moral dilemma and it's something that we're going to have to be talking about mm-hmm. yeah. um you know so this this is a conversation that we're going to be having as as we move on into the future so mm-hmm. i find that interesting so a, a 4.5 plus for
3: sure i'm gonna give it a perfect 10 very uh very uh,
4: not interested in <laughs>
3: quibbling about uh smaller things even though we just did that for hour like oh, this is fun but like i'm gonna stick to like this is my favorite episode Huh? um i think first first of all it does a really good job of opening up possibilities without closing a lot of doors which is obviously why picard comes out of this episode like this it's the whole basis for this episode mm-hmm. um but also like shout out to Guinan because we really to talk about that that uh scene with uh captain picard and Guinan and 10 forward for like blowing up the um the the real moral implications of like mm-hmm. droid servitude basically and saying that like this is much bigger than just this one Android in this one situation and your situation and your feelings about this one thing. This is a lot bigger than that. And I thought that was a really, really awesome scene and really important and gave this episode a lot more weight that then also ties directly into Picard eventually too. So like, this is a great episode. It's the
5: one thing that's expanded way further beyond. Totally. uh, From this episode. And like,
3: it seems like, it seems like a natural organic progression too. It's not like, well, he took this one idea and whatever. It's Mm -hmm. like, there are these really rich, beautiful ideas to begin with and then we've created more. I episode is a is awesome. It's a banger. So it's 10 out of 10 for me. Yeah,
4: that's
1: it. All right. Well, that's that's all it for everybody, I think. Um no, wait, Adam, you have to give your rating still.
4: No. You
3: didn't did give a rating.
1: I didn't write it down. Where yeah, did you go? I, ga-
3: 10 10. I, <laughs> I gave
1: it two different ratings. 10, that's 10, why 10 and a 9.
3: 19 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs>
6: <laughs> now that's my kind of reading i like that
1: <laughs> all right cool great fantastic <laughs> this is fine. i'm
3: fine with this this is okay <laughs> um,
1: all right uh let us then move on i would like to thank max dinah adam rudy emily thank you so much for being here today i do appreciate it every single week and thank uh, you not of course yeah, thanks. of course of yeah. course thank you to bill who is off traveling just a little bit so when he comes Mm -hmm. back we'll be excited to talk about equinox the two parter that uh is the season five finale of star trek voyager so watch uh watch that in in preparation for next week if you're gonna join us and thank you of course for joining us this week as well listener we always do appreciate you for that uh thanks to shu guha recorded our theme music he's got a podcast named geek fruit that you can listen to if you so choose and just special thanks to this episode for allowing the Picard storyline to happen, um, regardless how <laughs> you feel about Star Trek Picard. Uh, thanks for letting this happen. You think maybe Philippa was supposed to be the Starfleet CNC and she was replaced by that other lady who Picard maybe. also fights with? Yeah. Who knows? Uh, but no special thanks to Bruce Maddox being Rika, So It would have kind of been kind of cool if this dude had been there. But uh, they do look kind of similar. So anyway, <laughs> we'll come back to you next week uh, with more Moral Dilemmas. Uh, see you next week. Bye-bye.
2: Bye bye. Bye bye.